So I've had a, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Terrence Reeves Chong, who's here. I think he's been here. I think this is the third time that you've come and joined us. So we're eating our way through Lake Charles on the outside of services. So I'm just trying to follow what Daniel said. We eat before and we eat after. And uh, just trying to help him get thickened up for the winter that he has to go back to. And uh, it's negative 20 in Minneapolis today, right? Negative 20. How many of y'all think it was cold this last week here? It was not cold here. Uh, oh, I do need to dismiss kids. Thank you, Bennett. And, uh, so you guys can go ahead and be dismissed. And uh, thank you guys for joining us for worship this morning. And, uh, I told Daniel that on the way walking up here. I need to dismiss the kids. <laughs> See you, buddy. Catch up. If you don't know, that's my son. But uh, it's like, wow, that was weird. He just hugged this random kid. And uh, so anyhow, but uh, we've just had a great time those last couple days. And I just believe it's setting the stage for what God wants to do. And so here's the good news. If you weren't able to come on Friday or Saturday, God is still a good God and God can still work and God will still move. But I do encourage you. Um, we really set these times aside, not just to have another church service, uh, but I believe they're strategic. And uh, so when we have them, just so that you know what they're about, they're extended times of worship and ministry. And, um, you know, I don't remember how many people we gave words to Friday night, a bunch. And uh, the altar was basically from edge to edge with people that we prayed for for probably an hour and or so. And uh, just as we were praying over people, speaking with people, just the Lord began to speak and share and move and some similar things began to happen last night. And so I've told Pastor Terrence, hey, there are no rules this morning. Uh, It's Sunday morning, but that doesn't really change a whole lot for me. And uh, so, uh, but let me just tell you something real quick into the thought and then I'm going to hand it off to him. He's going to be ministering to you this morning, but um, I want to share a scripture with you real quick. And then I'm going to sell it to you as your pastor, but then I'm going to say something to him out of the same scripture. It comes out of Philippians chapter 1. You know, sometimes people ask me, uh, you know, hey, Pastor, we want to do something that would, you know, bless you or be good, you know, however you want to say that. And, uh, and, and there are, you know, sometimes people ask those questions. They're like, you know, what could we do that would be something that you would enjoy or blah, 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 those types of things. And this scripture actually summarizes it. Truly the thing that I believe blesses the heart of any pastor more than anything else is that it's nice for people to give honor and respect and be kind and write cards and gifts and all those things. And that's all nice. And there's a place for that. Um, But in Philippians chapter four, verse one, the apostle Paul is writing to a church and he said, and I love the way that he says it because it has this very tender language to it. And it says, my dear and precious friends who I deeply love. He says, you have truly become my glorious joy and crown of reward. In other words, you are my reward, not the things that you do for me. Watching God work in your life and being open and developing and growing in your understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom of the word of God. And as your life begins to live out what we teach, you know, I mean, it is a labor of love. I mean, there's a, you know, I mean, ministry is unique. In a lot of ways, because there's always just the next Sunday or the next situation. But the joy and the reward that I get is watching God work in your life and work in your family and, and seeing that happen. You know, and I love how he says it here is that you are my uh, glorious joy in the crown of my reward. And I love this translation. It says now arise in the fullness of your union with our Lord. And so if you want to bless me. 
or if I'm not your pastor, whoever your pastor is, the best thing you can do for them is to allow God to work in your life because that tells me what I do matters. And that's worth more than anything else you could ever give to me or to any pastor for that matter. It's just saying, man, I'm going to commit to letting the Lord work like really in my life. And so that's even part of this encounter weekend is, man, we wanted to create some space and just say, God, whatever you want to do. Because um, really what I told Pastor Terrence, I said, look, I really want you to come and just minister to the people. He's going to preach this morning, but that's not the main purpose. Um, you know, and so, but I do want to share that with you. And so now I want to talk to him just for a moment. And uh, some of you have heard me talk about this in the past, but uh, this year will actually be 20 years that we've known each other. And uh, me and Dara got married on August the 3rd. And on August 30th, we moved from Louisiana to Missouri, and I became Terrence's youth pastor. Um, you know, so that's actually how we met. And, uh, and, and so Terrence was not serving the Lord. He didn't want anything to do with the Lord, which I think that's probably part of why me and you connected in a way. We kind of, you know, in some ways we did everything we could to get away from the Lord, but yet he was so gracious and so faithful that he kept pursuing us in so many ways. And, you know, and so Terrence, this is what I want to say to you. After 20 years, I mean, you know, we've talked about different things and, you know, I, I can 100% say you're not the guy I met 20 years ago in the best way possible. And there are so many things that I've watched God use you to do and God's been faithful in your life. And number one, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. Like I love you with every fiber of my being. And I know you know that to be true. But I want, not only that, but I have such admiration for you. As a man of God, I know a lot of the things that you've gone through, you've battled through, you've fought through, and you've come out on the other side and you're not bitter and you're not angry. A lot of things were done that were maybe not what they should have been, but yet God's been faithful and you've been faithful to the Lord. And so I just want you to know, man, how much I love you, how much I admire you, I honor you, because you're a tremendous man of God. You're a tremendous dad, a tremendous husband, all of those things. And so you truly are a friend to me. Um, you know, I, in some ways I would say, you know, maybe in traditional church language, you're like a son in the faith, but I, I don't think that's really accurate. You're more of a brother. I don't know. I'm only like five years, six years older than you anyways. And, uh, so that'd be a little weird, but, but, yeah, but I would say, man, is that you, you are somebody though that, um, you know, just, and it's not a, in that you challenge me to be what God's called me to be because of your pursuit of God. And so I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, how much I love you. And so uh, I will say this just cause I forgot to mention it a minute ago. Uh, if you would like, you are more than welcome. We are going to bless Pastor Terrence for coming. I know he should be paying us for escaping all the cold weather and all of those things, but we're going to bless him anyways. But if you would like to sow a seed into his life, and he has a church, he pastors a church in Minneapolis. They're about to celebrate three years. They planted in January that COVID shut everything down. It wasn't in January. Yeah, January. January, February 1st, and then the world shut down in March. And, uh, but their church is just blossoming and doing great things there. Actually, they're, it's outside of Minneapolis. It's in Rogers, which is on the kind of northwestern side of the city. And uh, so anyhow, so if you want to do that, you can do that on Church Center app. It says guest speaker on the envelope. It just says other. You can write Terrence in there. Uh, just write whatever you want to write, a guest, guest speaker or whatever. But if you want to do that, you can do that. No pressure at all. We're going to sow a seed no matter what. And so would you guys just help me this morning and welcome Pastor Terrence to the platform. Thanks, man.
Gabi Kuma. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on. Are y'all ready for the word of God? Yeah. It is so good to be here. Uh, so good to be here. And we are uh, keeping it biblical. Uh, they fed me in the beginning. And we've got meal plans at the end. Um, and we've been eating all the way through. So I don't know what that makes us to. That, that's extra biblical, right? Come on. I love the food here. It is so good. I love being here. I love that. I mean, this is like my third time here. So now I'm starting to just feel like home. You know, it's great to like see people and, and ask like, oh, wait, how are the kids? How's the job? You know, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm home. This is great. I love this. So um, I'm excited. You know, like um, Pastor David said, uh, pastor a church up in uh, Minnesota, and uh, my wife is actually doing the service. It is so cold that we had to do service online, right? Because we do tear down and set up, and and when you're grabbing like metal truss at negative twenty, like somebody could lose a hand. You know, I was like, <laughs> like we're doing this online, and so uh, we actually started the church online by the direction of God. And I remember our first interest meeting. Maybe I told some of you guys this, but. Our first interest meeting, we had a group together, and, and they're, like, ready to go. We met, we met in a pizza hut, like, <laughs> which is ironic. Isn't that ironic? Because that was, like, one of my first jobs was at a pizza hut in Missouri. Isn't that funny? I got that job, and we were paying for our pizza, and I put my leg up on the counter. I said, how much is the pizza again? I don't know what came in. I was like, what am I doing? This is B.C. Terrence, okay? This is before Christ. He said he met me, and so I have my leg up there, and they laughed so hard. They were like, you want a job? And I was like, absolutely. I'll take a job too right and so that was random but we we met in the pizza hut and uh and 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 i was like you know we're starting a church and they're all excited you know and i was like and and we're gonna take this church and we're gonna we're not gonna meet in person and there's like a couple more amens like amen you know we're gonna go online you know and it was just crickets you could just feel the momentum just you know and yeah it's gonna be digital and and um the (laughs) And people were too excited. Uh, but three weeks later, it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like God, God has directed us, you know, and leading us. And so we were online for, for the beginning of the church. And, and our congregation was just a little number uh, in the bottom of the screen, you know, and, and people would chat. And we, we had our first in-person meeting uh, under a tent. Uh, because that was kind of what we, we could do at the time. And, and we were shocked, like 200 people showed up. And I was like, where did y'all come from? You know what I mean? Like, and so it was really cool to see how uh, uh, really a disastrous situation, God turned that around for us and, and, and really has blessed our church and our congregation. And, and so it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, my wife is holding it down up there, so she's going to be watching this later. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, and so it's just been a great journey. We've spent a lot of time talking about our journey in ministry, which is just, um, it's really cool to, to watch what God does, you know, and, and to remember what he's done. Remember the times where you're like, you, you know, you start, a, you start a church and then everything shuts down, you know. But then all of a sudden you see that God uses that. I mean, we were doing online church, so when it shut down, I mean, we didn't have to, do, it didn't affect us at all. We were already ready for that. You know, and, and, you know, as a church plant with limited resources, you know, that could have been devastating, but God, come on, right? But God. And so that, that, that great setback became one of the greatest setups for victory for us. Right. And so we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, 20 years is a long time. Uh, and, and so we've been talking about seasons, uh, that we've grown in seasons that we've overcome, Uh, Seasons that really set us up, you know, being in Missouri in that youth ministry, 
was was it, it, it's a legacy. You know, their their faithfulness that that was a legacy, and it, and it set me up for the next seasons of my life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is I want to talk about how to live a life of legacy, and not leave a life that's just a lesson. I'm going to say that again. I want to talk to you this morning about how to leave a life that's going to be a legacy and not just a lesson. Amen. Let me go to the scripture. Second Timothy. I love the fire. Keep that up, y'all. Keep that up. You just you keep that up. Second Timothy chapter one, verse five says this. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Now, I love that because there's gifts within Timothy and 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 so he has a sincere faith. But I love how Paul acknowledges this gift because he says, which first dwelt. Everybody, let's say that together. Which first dwelt. Say that one more time. Which first dwelt. So this sincere faith that Timothy is walking in, he's walking in a faith. So you could almost say it like this. Timothy is leading his church and he's got this sincere faith. And it's epic. And people might say, wow, Pastor Timothy is amazing. But what we get to see is the backstory, which is really cool. Because Timothy didn't just possess a faith because of Timothy. Timothy got a faith because it first dwelt in his grandma. It first dwelt with his grandma. And I can only imagine that his grandma fought for that sincere faith. I believe that maybe his grandma overcame some persecution, some trials, some doubts. She overcame some pain. And so that sincere faith was a legacy that she handed down to who? To Eunice, his mom. And his mom, she could have dropped the baton. She could have maybe fumbled the, 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 the past. But, but she, no, no, no. She got the sincere faith. And it went from Lois to, to Eunice. And he said, and I'm sure... That that's in you too. And I believe this same relay principle. I say relay because like a relay race. You're not here because of you. You're here because of someone else. You're here because there was a legacy imparted into you. And I believe this. It's so important to understand. I used to read Hebrews chapter. I believe it's 12. And it says in heaven. Have you guys ever sat around and thought about heaven or had a conversation of like what it could be like in heaven? How many just by show of hands just had a conversation? Man, are we going to fly? You know, (laughs) maybe these are my conversations because I'm kind of nerdy, right? Are we going to be able to, you know, just just jump and just, you know, come on, right? Right. This is a funny conversations, you know. We saw Jesus, you know, when he was in his glorified body, he, he would just vanish, right? <laughs> he would just vanish, right? He was eating breakfast. With, and, they, and they said, it said, and when they realized it was Jesus, they looked up, he's gone, right? <laughs> we had a conversation recently where we were, somebody, somebody said, now, did he just vanish or did he run? I'm sorry, y'all. How awkward would that have been? But Jesus, come on, just, just took off. <laughs> I like to believe the miraculous version of that one. I don't I don't want to imagine my savior being all awkward, <laughs> just, just running away. Like, I don't know about that. No, but he vanished. And so it says all of heaven is in heaven. It's a great cloud of witnesses. And they're cheering us on, which is bizarre because heaven is so glorious. I would have thought that maybe they didn't have time to look back down to earth. 
You know, I mean, there's so many, uh, there's so much glory. I mean, God and, and worship and, 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 and whatever you can do. I mean, all the things, but, but it says there's a cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on. And they're cheering us on because it's a relay race. And in a relay race, once you're done with your leg of the race, you are highly invested in what the next person is doing. Why? Because you don't get a trophy for your segment. You get a reward for the whole. You get a reward for the whole. So we're going to talk this morning about leaving a life that's a legacy. Leaving a life where your handoff is well. Leaving, leading a life where, where, where you set people up for greatness. I wrote this down because, because truly what a legacy is, and, and, and I'm getting ahead of my notes, so, so this is a little bit ahead. But a legacy leaves a story that says like this. I accomplished my calling because of what you did for me. Let me even make it a little bit greater. We accomplished our calling because, because of what, what, what you did, because of the gift, because you took that gift, you took that impartation, and you handed it off well. You served it well. You gave it well. Come on. You, you prayed those prayers. You served, you, you served in that service. Come on. You, you prayed over those kids. You, you did what God called you to do. And that's what legacies say. Lessons say this. I accomplished my call regardless of what you did to me. Come on now. Yeah, I accomplished my call and I did what God called me to do regardless of what you did or didn't do. And I believe what God wants you to know this morning is that he has called you to lead a life that will set people up for greatness, that will set the next generation up for greatness. There's people in this room. And I don't know uh, uh, all the history of, of, of life united, but there are people in this room that, that you got to know this. You're not even sitting in these chairs because of you. We're not sitting in this building because, because of all of us. And some of you, you might go, actually, yeah, I was here at the beginning. And so amen to you because, because you, come on now. <laughs> but but, but let, let's take a minute and realize that you are here enjoying this ministry because somebody said yes. Somebody said, yeah, I'm going to give. Yes, Lord, I'm going to sow. Yes, Lord, I'm going to pray. And now you're sitting in their legacy. You're sitting in their legacy. And you're not just sitting in their legacy because it's just for your comfort. You're sitting in your legacy because now it's your time to run. The relay principle is in full effect because you have been called for such a time as this. Come on, church. Second Samuel chapter 31. You look at these stories in the Bible. Uh, Saul. King Saul, let's, let's give him the title that's appropriate to what he did. King Saul, King Saul, was, how many of you guys are familiar with King Saul by, by show of hands? King Saul, Saul in the Bible, you know, God looked at Israel and he said this, I'm going to be your God. You will be my people and I'll lead you. And they said, you know, God, we want a king just like everybody else. And God obliged them, which says a lot about the character of God. He said, okay. We'll change it up. You can have a king. 
And so Saul was anointed by God to lead Israel. And Saul did some great things, called of God, walking in the anointing. He, he, he slayed enemies and he brought Israel to a level of glory. Can I get an amen? amen. Saul was the king before David. But what Saul did is he began to neglect the voice of God. What Saul did is he allowed the insecurities that he had, even when he was anointed in the beginning, he allowed those insecurities to go unchecked and he began to lead out of his insecurity and he began to exert his, his will over the will of God to try to get people, come on. Right. And, and so he, he actually began to disobey God. So this anointed man of God began to disobey God. And so then David said, or God said, hey, I, I've got to get another guy in here. I'm going to get David. And at that moment, Saul had the option to either leave a legacy or a lesson. In church, unfortunately, he left a lesson. And so what the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 31, Saul was fighting a battle. At this point, he, he's done run David off. <laughs> David killed Goliath and killed 10,000 enemies. And Saul looked at him and said, how dare you? If you had 10,000 people that wanted to kill you, I'm just talking to you right now. If you had 10,000 people that wanted to kill you, and you're like, your best friend came up. And said, don't worry about it. I took him out. I handled it. No problem. And then their leader, that big dude that you were like, man, I want to fight him. I took care of him too. Would your first response be like, bro. <laughs> you want some too? Come on. Would your first response be anger? Yeah, help me out. Just, yeah, yeah, just me and you right now, okay? He said no. All right. Would your first response be, man, I got to take this guy out. What would your first response be? Thank you. Your first response to somebody who takes out your enemy should be like, bro, let's go. But insecurity said, you're a threat. Insecurity said, I can't trust you. Insecurity said, you trying to take my job? I mean, I couldn't fight the giant, but I mean, come on. So he chased David off and David is in the wilderness. And I know because we read the Psalms, I know David is thinking, how could a season be so God and so bad? I'm going to say that again, because I think that just resonated with some people in here. How could a season be so God and end so bad? And this is what happened. It said the Philistines, now Saul is just doing what Saul does. He's fighting the Philistines. And it says, and Saul and his sons and the Philistines. And, and it says they killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Melech, the sons of Saul. They killed his sons. And the battle went heavily against Saul. And the archers hit him. And Saul was badly wounded by the archers. First Samuel 31 verse 6 is the end of his life. 
And it says, thus Saul died with his three sons, his armor bearer, and all the men that day. Close the book. End of chapter. That's his life. And it's tragic. Because this anointed man of God, it was just the end. He died. And he left a lesson. And David took that lesson instead of the legacy of a man who handed the kingdom over to the next anointed, taught him well, embraced him as a son, and had a healthy transition. Instead, led his army to ruin. They piddled out, burnt out, and then David had to pick up the pieces. We see that Saul chose to leave a lesson rather than a legacy. And let me tell you what this lesson, this sermon today is not about. This sermon today is not about you analyzing what leaders and what seasons or what parents or what people in your life left legacies or lessons. And matter of fact, I'll tell you this, champions can get a legacy out of anything. And that's what David did. It says in the next chapter, he said he mourned Saul's death and he moved on. You know what David didn't do? He didn't say, man, I'm done with politics. I ain't never doing that again. I could have been out there leading sheep. Life was good. <laughs> Life was real good. You know? You know what I'm not going to do again? I'm not going to put myself out there again. Remember that whole Goliath thing? I thought I was doing some good. I mean, I felt the anointing. I mean, forget this sling. <laughs> forget war. Forget war. Just, yeah, forget war. I'm done with this. Every time I try to stick my neck out for people, it always ends up, man, I'm never doing this again. So I'm going to teach you something because this is what God taught me. He taught me this and he gave this to me. And I got to just say, this is a scripture about the end times. But, but what, what God actually brought me to the scripture during a hard time. And he said, Terrence, if, 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 if the church can understand this principle, then what they can do is they can, take, they can take my goodness out of any season and they can leave a legacy for the people that I've called them to leave a legacy for. They can use their giftings and they can get over the pain and the disappointment and they can be free from pain so that they can freely use the gift of God. And that's what I want to share with you because I believe God's called this church to leave a legacy. But I'm going to tell you something right now, and this is for some people in here. You're only going to leave a legacy if you decide to build upon the foundations that were given to you instead of scrapping it all and starting from the beginning because you won't embrace the impartation that God gave to you 10 years ago. Are y'all ready for this? I just got real in here. Come on, here we go. Matthew chapter 13. Are you already church? It says, Jesus presented another parable to them. It says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And I got to remind you, okay, so, so I'm going through a hard time dealing with some really tough things in ministry. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside and God leads me to this. And, and, and so I'm reading it. He says, but while his men were sleeping... An enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat 
And then the enemy left. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the land or the slave of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? And I want to show you a picture of wheat and tares real quick because I had no idea what a tear was, to be honest with you. So wheat and tear. How many of y'all would say that those look really similar? <laughs> Real similar. Matter of fact, I kind of forgot which one was the tear and which one was the wheat. <laughs> kind of makes for a poor example here, but it actually doesn't. I told myself, don't forget which one. I think that tear is over here on the right. I'm going to go with that. Point being is this. <laughs> Sometimes you are called to seasons where the good is real close to some bad. And the confusing part is God is the one who called you into it. Who called David to Saul? Come on. God. Come on. Who, who anointed Daniel to be under a king that wanted to throw him in the lion's den? Come on. Who, who gave, come on, let's just do this for a little bit. Who, <laughs> who gave Joseph a dream that put him in jail? Come on. And reset and redeem Joseph to give him one of the best jobs only to be wrongly accused and chased off God. wheat and tares some of the best things that you need found in some really bad places and so they said this they said wait a second sir didn't you sow some good seed in this field how then does it have tares in it? The thing about tares is this, is, is if I had wheat and tare, we could actually discover real quick which was which. Because one, if you crush it, it, it it's, it's food. And the other, when you crush it, when you take a tare and you crush it, it's just black and doesn't do nothing. And so what happened was this. It says, the, the master said this, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, do you want us then to go and gather it all up? Do you want us to just take it all up, right? I have these questions sometimes. Why am I in this season? Why, why, why was this so good? Why did God allow this season to go so south? Did that leader to fall or that mentor to abuse me or, or that what I thought was good all of a sudden died? Why was it here? And, and listen to this, listen to this. But he said, no. For while you are gathering up the tares, you'll uproot the wheat with it. Oh, come on now. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather up the tares and bind them uh, and burn it up. But gather the wheat into my barns and save the wheat. And when I was going through that hard season, the Lord said this, and I know that scripture is about end times, but what the Lord said to me, he said, there are going to be seasons where I need you to practice this principle. Don't burn the wheat. 
If you want to leave a legacy, you cannot burn the wheat. And I believe burning is symbolic of getting angry and getting fiery. And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So what does that look like? You need to learn how to hate the injustice and not the person. You got to learn how to hate the insecurity, but not the leader. You got to learn how to embrace what God did through them, but not throw them in prison. The prison of unforgiveness in your heart. And lock them up. Because if you lock them out of your life, guess what you do? You lock out the legacy that they were called to give you. If you remove them from your heart and life, I'm not even going to think about that person anymore. Well, you've forgotten that the impartation came through a relationship. So you cut off the relationship and you cut off the impartation. God said to me, don't burn the wheat. You have to take those seasons and you have to go through them. I'm so glad you guys talked about connect groups because I'm going to tell you this right now. The best way to get through and process a hard season is to get with people you trust and talk about it. And sometimes we get really nervous about getting angry. Well, I'm not going to bring it up. You know what? I'm over it. No, you're not because you can't even face it. You can't even go back to those memories without getting all worked up. That's a sign you're not healed yet. Come on. Somebody asked me, what would you do if you saw that one leader that, that, that treated you so bad? What would you do if you saw them again? I said, I would be so excited because I love them. I wouldn't build a relationship with them because they were unrepentive. Come on now. I wouldn't open up my soul to them because they never said I was sorry. But that's okay because I forgave them. And forgiveness starts with me. I don't need them to forgive them. Forgiveness is me releasing them and leaving the door wide open. Wide open for what? Repentance and reconciliation and truth. The door's wide open. Come on. Look. Come on. But I hold them in my heart freely. I rejoice when I think about them because I rejoice about the things that God did through them to get me to where I am today. I would not be the man I am today without the lessons they left for me. I wish it was legacy, but that's okay. Come on, church. But you get angry. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to burn that. Man, the way I found freedom is I was with a group of four people, and I would get fiery mad. And I'd be like, I can't believe that happened. And they would say, I'm sorry. And I can't believe this happened. And I said, I'm sorry. And I got right up to the intersection of bitterness. And I began to take steps in the bitterness way. I can't stand them. Or even like this, man, I don't want to be in ministry anymore. I'll never give like that ever again. I'll never put myself out there ever again. I'm done with church. I'm done with church. But see, that's burning the wheat. Because church is God's idea. And I'm sorry that somebody took church and they sowed a tear in it. But you can't burn the wheat. Come on. I get nervous about Holy Ghost nights because somebody did something weird a long time ago. Listen to what you just said. Holy Ghost nights. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Come on. There's going to be a lot of Holy Ghost nights. Burn the weird act of flesh. 
Well, they're slapping you on the forehead and embrace the Holy Ghost nights. It's that easy. Come on. They came up to you and, well, that wasn't the Lord, but I love the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's go one more time. Come on. You know what I learned this lesson, church? I remember I was in a Bible class once and we were, man, drunk of the Holy Ghost. That's so silly. That's so dumb. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. We're using all these scriptures. You got to understand the most things that the devil is quoted saying is scripture. Well, I'm using the word. Well, so did the devil. Every time. Hath God said, throw yourself off this because the word says the prince of religiousness. Uh, come on. <laughs> and we're, we're just getting all bent out of shape. Went to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting, which is the kind of the most ironic service to go to after a class like that. And we're sitting there, and he goes, everybody stand. And our, our Bible teacher looked at us, and he goes, he's about to do that thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and I'm new. I'm new. I'm just learning. And this is what I remembered. I was like, man, I, I got to pursue God from here and not here. I got to keep this clean and humble. And I remember he did one of these. Just that, just that from the stage, just one of these. And everybody in our row, the new first time visitors, the Lutherans that I met behind us because they thought it was like a choir thing. And I was like, sorry. I was like, sorry. They were like, yeah, is this a choir night? We're from the Lutheran church. And I was like, ah, <laughs> y'all came to the wrong night, you know. <laughs> Everybody in the row, you know what happened? They all went back, fell out under the power. Some got filled with the spirit instantly praying in tongues, except for us standing all dignified. Our whole row, the whole Bible class. I looked down the row, everyone's all standing there looking very dignified, but not free. And I was like, wait, the Lutheran got it? <laughs> that first time visitor got it. And I just fell out just because I was like, man, forget this. I'm, you know. <laughs> Y'all can stand if you want to. <laughs> but hey, come on. I'm not missing out on God. You know? Everybody say this. Say, don't burn the wheat. Say it again. Say, don't burn the wheat. Don't burn the wheat. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you went through a season. But you went all out. You gave all your heart. You served. You gave. Got the gift of giving and you gave. And then you found out that somebody abused it. Hate abuse. Hate abuse. Hate that. But love giving. Because that's what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to burn it all. What do you think the enemy's tactic was there? To sow tears in wheat. It's so that maybe they would overreact and shrink back from everything. I'm not getting involved. I'm not wasting my time. I'm going to own my life. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm just going to. You're just going to burn some wheat. And the legacy that God left for you so that you could build off of it and leave a legacy for yourself. Come on, church. Here's where we're at right now. You've got to decide right now. Are you going to leave a legacy? Or are you going to be a lesson? 
Yeah, you got hurt. So did David. Yeah, you got hurt. So did Joseph. Yeah, you got hurt. So did Jesus. His own brothers were like, dude, you're so arrogant. You're so arrogant. You just you just want to be known. His own brothers. What you got to do is you you want to know what the Lord said? I'm going to share one last scripture. Are y'all getting something out of this? Mark chapter 10, verse 13 says this. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked the children. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I love how children are like that. Last night, actually, the Holy Ghost night, we're, we're, I, Mira, Mira doesn't care I'm the guest speaker at all. I said, Mira, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 what in the world? Yeah, Mirabella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she didn't care. She's like poking me in the forehead, you know. <laughs> I'm like sitting there getting ready to give a word. I'm like, yes, God. Yes, God. She's like, <laughs> she's like poking me in the forehead. She's like, it's playtime. Playtime. <laughs> Hit me with a blanket, you know? She's like, let's go. <laughs> Tell you, I love it. I'm like, kids don't care. Kids don't care at all, right? I'm sure they did that to Jesus, you know? <laughs> the field are white with harvest. <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> Kicking them, you know? I can imagine the disciples are like, somebody go get them kids. Somebody go get them kids. You can't kick the Savior. Come on, who's, whose child is that? You know? And you know it had to be Peter, right? You know it was Peter. Peter's like, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. He's got a sword, you know. And they're like, Peter, Peter. They're kids. <laughs> Come on. And Jesus said, he said, he said, he said, no, no, no. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't, don't, don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now hear it out now. We're going to close with this. Now hear it out. He said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child won't even enter into it. They won't even enter into it. And what does that mean? Man, children are so quick to believe. They're so innocent. They're so innocent. And he's telling people that are, that, are, that are older, people that have seen some life, people that have been around the bush, people that have been betrayed, people that have been tricked or let down or abused. And he's saying, if y'all don't let that go and be like a child, <laughs> come on. I got a word for you right now for somebody. Whatever season you were in, whatever church you were in, whatever ministry you served in, whether you were on staff or a leader, I got a word for you. This ain't that. This ain't that. This ain't that. What you're doing right now is the beginning of greatness. This ain't that. Take a lesson, get the wheat, but don't you dare hold back your gift. Don't you dare be reserved with God. Don't you dare feel fear failure. But I got hurt once. And guess what? You survived. You got to remember right now, you got a 100% success rate in going through hard times. If you can hear my voice, you have a 100% success rate for going through hard times. You're alive. Come on. You say, well, why did God let me go through that? Because you're stronger than you know. 
Why did God let me go through that? Why did it hurt so bad? Why did I go through that? Because you have more than enough to go through every single situation. And like David, sometimes you just got to learn the lesson. You got to see the lesson so that you can leave. Come on, help me out. Come on, help me out. A legacy. Go ahead and stand your feet. The band's going to come up here. Wherever you're at, whatever has been done to you, whatever wrong, let me tell you something right now, church. In our nation, there is a spirit that is running rampant. And as a black man, I'm going to say this right now. It is a spirit of victim. I talked to my grandpa who grew up in the 60s and 70s who experienced real racism and he was a command sergeant major in the military and I said grandpa because I was feeling I'm going to be honest I was feeling really angry and really sorry I saw these tragic things and these injustices and I said grandpa how did you do it you couldn't even use the same bathrooms I mean I mean come on and you know what he said to me highest ranked in as a, as a he got the highest rank in the army command sergeant major and i was like how did you as a black man become so great in that time he said bear i didn't even think about it he got jumped in bars he got overlooked at opportunities and you know what he said he said oh you don't act ugly no come on now hear me out he said, you treat everybody with, with respect, regardless of how they treat you, and you be true to who you are. He said, Bear, you do your best. And, and, and he's in the military, so I got to edit this, all right? <laughs> because it was not this pretty. This is not church approved. He said, you do your best, and you get on down the road. He said, every city I left and they stationed me in, they went to hating me to coming to my barbecues. And he said, they saw me bring together people. And if he can overcome it in a day and age where they said, no, 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 that's your bathroom and that's the whites only bathroom. This is your food and that's their food. And he rose. Come on. He rose. Okay. So it's hard. Okay, so I might face difficulties. But I, what I won't do is act ugly. And what I will do is I'll forgive. And what I will do is I'll get stronger. And what I will do is I'll go further. And I'll get better. Come on. What I will do. Come on. That's what I'm going to do. But isn't it not fair? Isn't it tough? Isn't it wrong? Isn't it unjust? Listen, yeah it is. But I'm going to either live under it or I'm going to live over it. Come on. Hey, listen to this. Listen to this. I'm going to show you my life matters. I'm going to show you. Because I won't act ugly. And I won't live ugly. And I won't talk ugly. Because no matter what you do to me, or anybody around me, or whatever season I go through, I'm going to keep on rising and rising and rising. And I'm going to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to tell you something, church. 
It's time that that spirit of victim mentality goes back to hell where it belongs. Not in this church. Not in this church. Not in this church. Not in this church. Come on. Not in this church. So right now, I'm speaking this by the Spirit of God. If you're committing to leaving a life of legacy, I thank God my grandpa overcame those pains. I thank God he didn't make any excuses. I thank God the things that we talk about are rarely the hard times that he went through, but the great things that he did. You would have thought he had a peachy life. I declare this in the name of Jesus right now, that no matter what you've gone through or going through, no matter how hard it is or how much work we have to do, I just declare in Jesus' name that this is a church where we leave a legacy. I hear this. God, God's heart breaks. I, I just I hear this in my heart. He's sorry for the hard things you have to go through or you had to go through. But he's been with you through it all the way through it, all the way into the end. And if you'd grab a hold of his love and allow him to heal your heart, he would take the dead things and bring them back to life. He would take those giftings and he would wake them up. He would take those foundations and he would resurrect the foundations of old. Oh, come on. That's why we were fasting so that we would restore the foundations of the generations before us and we would build upon it. We would give freely. We would give like we would never hurt. We would, we would love like we'd never been burned. Come on. And they would say, but wait, what, what, somebody like you should have just clammed up, shelled up, never gave again. And he said, but, yeah, but I've been healed. But I've been healed. And I've been set free. If that's you right now, and you are committing to live a life of legacy, your life is going to set the next generation up for greatness. You are going to live freely in Christ. Use the gift. Fearless. Courageous. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. If you're in here and you're committing to leave a life of legacy, lift up your hands right now. Lift them up right now. Lift them up right now and say, God, I'm, I'm a legacy. Just say, God, I'm a life of legacy. I'm a life of legacy. I'm a life of legacy. I'm not dropping the baton. I'm running my race. I'm going to take the next step. And I'm going to hand this thing off well when my time is done. Come on. If that's you right now, lift up your hands to God and begin to sing. Begin to praise Him right now. Thank you, God. I'm a life of legacy. Come on. Come on, right now. Whatever was broken will be healed. Whatever is hurting will be restored. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, team. Come on, help me out. Let's begin to praise God. Come on.